Have you ever called into your favorite talk radio program only to encounter this and felt like this? That never happens when you dial 941-421-0401. At RazRadioLive.com, we answer right away. And pow, you're live on the air talking to one of your favorite hosts. No screeners, no delays. Try it now. 941-421-0401. And avoid... 941-421-0401. If you're a new listener or a seasoned veteran, don't be scared. 941-421-0401. We welcome all. We know how it feels to be ignored. RazRadioLive.com But I was sick of the left and sick of the right So I crept up to the White House on the cover at night Grenade belt on my waist, tech nods by my side Then I saw George Bush, thought it should be by the night So I stuck in his eyes, sliced off the right side Leave only his left rational mind behind You bet that night got sloppy, like blood dripping on the floor While I'm walking the blade through the lobby Every drop represents a dead soldier's body And if you stand in my way, your legs will probably get wobbly But if you want to be a hero, then just try to stop me Be known in the news as the first guy to arrive and the last one dead, let's do it, see me alive Hello, children, come and follow me Do exactly as I do, and be like I be If you 
wanna live in a country where your kids are free Sleeping sound in a future free of tyranny Who grow up always fearing for their own safety Come on, take a look, get up and see What's the matter, can't you stand, you got your own two feet My bad, forgot a gang and batch tied to the seat That is right. Welcome to the ter- Tuesday edition of the First 52 on RazRadioLive.com. I promised you guys I'd be back. I told you I wouldn't go anywhere. I'd be here to, to, to throw my sultry voice out at you and throw some hardcore, serious facts and, and, and conspiracies at you that maybe might make you think about what you're told each and every day. And like I said, it is Tuesday, January 20th, 2015. Wow, it's so weird to say 2015. Yeah, I remember uh, graduating high school in 1994. I remember graduating elementary school in 1990. You know, hell, I even remember graduating kindergarten. I think that was 82, if I'm not mistaken. It's just amazing how quickly, you know, time goes by for us. How, uh, you know, we look at different things and, and think about how the world operates around us. Who really controls your mind? Who controls my mind? Do I really control my own thoughts? Or are my thoughts suggested to me by uh, crazy conspiracy guys out there that I might listen to? Now, I believe my thoughts are my thoughts. I get some direction get some advice shouldn't we shouldn't there always be somebody else that we look to for advice for direction for ideas and then we learn how to make those own ideas on our own you know it's kind of weird when you when you look at a story and you your first thoughts aren't what they're telling you they are your first thoughts are actually your own thoughts you know that's what that's what I've 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 come to at least in my opinion. You know I look at a news article and I try not to get thoughts or ideas out of that news article. I just try to get the facts they lay out for us. Sometimes they lay out a lot and they don't realize they do. Sometimes they don't lay out any. But that's where using uh, you know your common sense, using the ideas that have been presented to you in the past that 
may have become true. <laughs> Maybe, you know, they might be crazy when you first hear them, but then all of a sudden you go, oh, my God, you know what? There's something to that. And over time, you learn how to look at stories and question them. Uh, for those of you who don't know, and I'm going to guess everybody listening right now probably knows, uh, David Crowley, director for Gray State, himself, his wife, and his five-year-old child were found in an apparent murder-suicide. All right, this guy was a vet. Uh, I never met him personally. I, I know people who have. And we know that there's an issue with veterans and suicides, whether it be, whether it be uh, you know, not being able to deal with what they did or saw, or maybe it has to do with uh, the medication they're on, or the lack of treatment. Either way, it's it's a very sad story. Uh, it's a man I looked forward to seeing the art that he was going going to be providing us. And unfortunately, you know, we have to uh, uh, believe what we're told. Uh, there's a lot of questions behind it. There's a lot of things that make you question it. You know, I, I got into a Facebook thing with a, a good friend of ours, Cynthia, today. She posted that uh, anybody who just automatically jumps to the fact that this was a government conspiracy uh, is just crazy. And I said, well, is it crazy to to think that the government would kill a journalist who didn't complete his story yet? Or maybe it'd be crazy to think the government would kill a president who was, uh, you know, causing some issues for the uh, Federal Reserve. Maybe doesn't want to follow what the military-industrial complex is telling him to do. Is it crazy to think that witnesses to government crimes could mysteriously die? Is it crazy to think that a scientist who might be on to a cure or a new way or a better way of life might accidentally die? You know, these things happen. Some are proven to have been a conspiracy and not who they said it was. Martin Luther King, a great example. They won a civil suit that it was a government conspiracy to murder him. I didn't make that up. Google it. It's right there for you to find. You don't have to believe me. I never tell you you have to believe me. I think it's something we need to think about. Do I think uh, Do I think the government murdered him because his film was going to be uh, groundbreaking and it was going to be financed apparently uh, out of nowhere? Somebody was coming with a $30 million uh, financial uh, 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 donation to help this movie become... I don't know. Is that true? I don't know. But I knew that I do know that a man I looked up to, a man I, I was looking forward to seeing his movie, his wife and his child are now dead. Dog lives for three weeks with uh, no food. Okay, maybe he got in the cabinets. They didn't really say that in the story. They left that very vague, that the dog was still running around. You know, toilet bowls dry up. If they're not flushed, could the dog have flushed the bowl? Of course he could have. All right. Blinds open, wide open, where when the neighbor walked up to check on the family, he could see through the window the family dead on the floor. 
that's a question. How could uh, packages be delivered to that front door over a month period of time, three-week period of time? Nobody noticed the dead bodies laying on the floor with the blinds wide open, which was very unusual for that household. Again, I'm just throwing out questions. I, I, I don't... This is, this is one of those things we may not come to a conclusion to. You know, was Michael Hastings murdered? Did they hijack his car remotely and crash him into a tree and kill him? We will never know the true answer. Was JFK killed by one lone gunman? We will never know the answer. But we do have the right, and we should have the brain power to question these things. It's up to you to question these things. And if it doesn't pass the smell test, then stick it in the toilet. I'm not saying everything's a conspiracy. I know I've been made to to, to be that character. I played a character, um, and it hurt me. And I realized that. I just feel bad for a family who has lost loved ones. A five-year-old child has died in this situation. No matter who pulled the trigger, that is a, that is a sad, sad thing. So I wish the best to the surviving family, to the, the mothers. I mean, these people are 28 and 29 years old, fucking 10 years younger than me. 10 years younger than me. You shouldn't die at that age. So you should, you should really think about that. What caused it? Was it a murder-suicide? Was he on... I, I, I highly doubt he was on any kind of prescription medication. Uh, I just... I could be wrong. You know, I know a lot of people who are in, in this whole conspiracy world that we're in, you know. We all talk negative about these things, but if you're already stuck on it, when you learn this information, you might not have weaned off it yet. Or maybe you were in the process, and that's what triggered it. You know, maybe you just couldn't handle... I heard a great... Oh, I wish I could... What was I listening to? Uh, I think it was Bubba this morning, Lyle, uh, Lionel. Uh, he was talking about, you know, this PTSD problem. And I, I thought this was a great... I, I never thought of it this way. I really never thought of it. If you go back to World War II, World War I, uh, even the Korean War, and, and partly some of the Vietnam War, but not as much. More More flights were on that, but... The, the, the troops, the, the men fighting on the field, not just the Navy people, but the ones that were, you know, that's how they all got there. They got there by boat. So they sailed over there. They were prepared. They were working each other up. You know, they, they, were, they were ready to go. And they arrived. They did their duty. And then they sailed home. They spent a, a couple weeks a week and a half, two weeks, whatever it be, on the ship, sailing back home, proud of themselves, and rejoice that they won that battle. You know, remembering their lost friends, discussing what had gone on while they were there. Maybe that's why we didn't see so much PTSD back then, because they were able to work through their problems on their own. And when I heard Lionel say that today, it really made me think. I mean, think about that. It's therapy on the way home. You're able to immediately address the problems. 
you're able to cope with what you've done, what you've seen. You have your friends there uh, supporting you. You're supporting each other. So you come home. You come home to celebrations, ticker tape parades, everybody waiting for you. You have good jobs waiting for you. Or maybe you've you've advanced through through your military service and and you're going to produce something or you're you're going to be able to get a better job than you had because of that. People looked up to you. Our soldiers don't get that now. You know, so when when I cause an uh, uproar on Veterans Day because I say, uh, you know, you should really apologize to the troops and not thank them, it makes me laugh because I'm a veteran. And I've got people who aren't veterans telling me I'm wrong for what I'm saying. But yet you want to stand up for veterans. So what do you you want? You can't get the best of both worlds. You you might disagree with what a veteran says. But if you're standing up for veterans and... That veteran has the right to say what is on their mind and what they believe. So I, I, I hope one day, you know, these things we see, uh, the truth to them comes to us. So, you know, we, we, see, uh, we see France in an uproar, right? But I am Charlie. I am Jesus. Blah blah. Whatever the hell the hashtags are. Um, another great thing. I and I got this from Lionel. Also, I like to tell you guys where I get my ideas from and and who presents this stuff to me that that makes me think. He came out with I am not Charlie. Well, I don't know if you guys know this, but that that organization is a very. Um, I don't want to say rate. Well, I want to say racist organization. It's very uh, white power type organization. Um, they've been attacked before by Islamic extremists. It's not the first time it's happened. So, if you're going to do something that you know you're going to get attacked for, why should we feel bad for you when you get attacked for something you knew you were going to get attacked for? I mean, really, think about that. So, apparently, there's been some CIA links, CIA links to the uh, to the uh, terror attacks, and you know, there's been a lot of conspiracy theories going out there. Oh, it's a hoax! It never happened. No, nobody died. I don't buy into that crowd ever, and I still don't. People died. People died because of stupid decisions of people who should have thought a little more. You know what? You have the right to publish whatever you want. But then when you have a consequence come because of what you published, you can't complain about it. So I haven't, uh, honestly, because I had to restream Jack, I haven't listened, I had a chance to listen to this uh, CIA link to terrorist attack. Um, it's from your Newswire, which is not really a, a, a truth or, or conspiracy site. Um, so let's see what, what they have to say. Um, the whole Paris incident has been a puzzle for many. The, the attacks that took place at the um, press media there, and if one has to find connections to understand what's really going on. We're being told by mainstream media, Western media, um, that a Yemeni reporter has claimed that he's interviewed Kwaji, who's responsible for the Paris attacks, or one of those responsible. 
and he has ties to the underwear bomber. The underwear bomber, if you recall, was um, the man held responsible for wanting to blow up an airliner at Christmas time in 2009. Well, it, it, it so happens that... I want to interject real fast on the underwear bomber case. Uh, as you all know, uh, or if you don't know, go back in the archives and you can hear the interview uh, that I had with Kurt Haskell, who was a witness on the airplane on the way back to Detroit that day, watched uh, Omar get escorted onto the plane, watched somebody videographing, videotaping him the whole time he was on the plane, and left this country because his government tried to kill him. As um, the mainstream media here is so busy turning, mis- turning up misinformation, that they tend to forget the very information they give us in the first place. For example, in 2012, we were told that the underworld bomber was, in fact, working with the CIA intelligence and the Saudis. And um, he had, in, and curiously, he had passed on uh, a bomb to them that supposedly was supplied. It was a new type of non-metallic type bomb that could have passed airport security. And it's important to mention that he slipped the so-called airport security, the, the, the underwater bomber, um, when the Israeli intelligence were in charge of Amsterdam airport, their security, so they failed to um, scrutinize this and, and to put a stop to them getting on the plane, and which indicates to me that they were all aware of this individual's role. But that said, um, we, we, they continue with this um, marking of the civilians with all the misinformation because even as recently as six or seven months ago, um, the UK um, airport security supposedly received um, a warning from US intelligence, credible threat, that the Al-Qaeda terrorists were going to um, attack airports and airliners using a a new generation non-metallic bomb developed by them in Syria and Yemen. Well, this bomb they had in their possession two and a half years ago is the news is to be believed. And um, what is really, um, you know, very alarming for me is with all the information and misinformation we're getting, we have to understand who who gains by it all. I mean, we know that security around all Western countries, or not all, but certainly UK, France, and America has been heightened. They're going to come down on the Internet but more so, um, pe- people like or uh, entities like Google and Guardian and other French media are helping this magazine um, reproduce many of the cartoon, uh, cartoons that are very, very offensive to many people in order to bait them, incite them, and perhaps create more anti-Islam sentiments by the reaction that they will no doubt get to these cartoons. So at the end of the day, we have to understand who's gaming by all these um, alleged attacks, and um, you know just just try because the citizens are being misinformed. They're not being told the truth. They're just being told a whole bunch of lies that um, are supposedly not connected. And somehow, when they do get connected, we we trace it back to to intelligence services like the CIA. So we have to be very alert and not forget what we read yesterday in order to absorb what we're reading today and connect the dots ourselves. 
I mean, many have had a doubt about the veracity of the incident in Paris. Many have thought it to be a false flag operation. And now with this new information they're feeding us and tying it to the underworld partner who works for the CIA, it almost, um, you know, just virtually um, establishes the fact that it was indeed a false flag operation. It was indeed a false flag operation. Now listen, there's there's certain things you look for when we discuss false flag operations. Now, if you listen to Jack Blood, you should know these three things. There's a cover-up, there's prior knowledge, and there's a stand-down. Most false flag operations need to encompass those three uh, factors in order to make them be successful. Well, if, if you knew about these guys prior uh, they've been arrested on on terror related charges in the past well then you stood down if you weren't up these guys ass or maybe they were working for you of course we see now that the lead investigator of this event commit suicide back to the suicide thing again you see that makes you question why why would you commit suicide okay it was too much to handle no I'm sorry for those of you who don't know I did EMS for 8 years 9 years uh, I've seen some things that I would rather not have seen. I've done things that were very difficult to do. But I did them. And I never killed myself. And I, trust me, I've seen some really things that got me. I, there was this one accident once. I was uh, 18 years old. I was a senior in high school. And this girl was 21 or 22. She was on her way back to college. It was a really foggy morning. I mean, I, I, I went by the accident scene on my way to pick up the ambulance. And I didn't even really see how bad the accident was. That's how foggy it was. And uh, she ran a stop sign because she didn't see the sign and got T-boned by a guy driving a um, blazer older school, you know, old style big blazer with uh, the snowplow attachment but no plow just the, you know, the mounting bars and the lights uh, needless to say her head meant the, met the front of the snowplow attachment during the accident I was the first one to that vehicle. The girl was only a few years older than me. And I'm the one that had to pronounce her debt. Now, if you list, listen to me long enough, you've probably heard this story. I spent many a weeks after that. I couldn't go to school for a day or two. Uh, it really affected me. 
and I spent many of, of sober and drunken nights sitting at the scene of that accident. Me and another guy. He was, he was a year older than me. And he was on the fire department. And uh, it, it affected both of us. And we sat there. And we would sit there at night at the scene of the accident, just, just wondering, you know, why? I went to the funeral. I mean, I, I still remember the girl's name to this day, Regina Campbell. Never forget her name. But I didn't kill myself. You know, those are things you have to think about. Anyway, I don't know. The, 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 there's just too many questions to be asked in those, uh, in those stories. It's just things that just really make you, make you wonder. They just make you wonder. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. I will be back with you guys momentarily. Sit tight. We'll probably go till close to 7 this evening. We'll see how it goes. You are listening to the Abridged First 52 Tuesday night. Fun facts and conspiracy truths. Last 
things together in this country. Enough bullshit as it is. In fact, there's just enough. Did you know that? Bullshit is the glue that binds us as a nation. Where would we be without our safe, familiar American bullshit? Land is a free, home of the brave, the American dream. All men are equal, justice is blind, the press is free, your vote counts. Business is honest, the good guys win. The police are on your side. God is watching you. Your standard of living will never decline. And everything is going to be just fine. The official national bullshit story. Where the rich show face in the air is something sleazy Suit and ties get away from their wives, the women easy An upscale atmosphere with some wallow Consumed by material life inside the hollow Like the chick at the bar smoking on a cigar quick Her heart pumps fast as they're as sharp as guitar picks She sees a man with another skirt The type to triple her net worth for making your neck jerk And that's a goddamn shame Cause she was packing a nine and a crime was no game So I'm ducking to a restroom Followed suit and licked shots as the bass went boom She can't remember how she got in this place Took a look in the mirror but didn't recognize her own face When I'm singing my heart's bleeding for someone else So what I'm seeing I'm leaving up on the shelf When I'm sleeping I'm dreaming of somewhere else I got my reasons I'm not leaving yeah. this to no one else It wasn't your more like love at first sight Around midnight We might just see a bar fight It never fails Now that Mickey's out of jail He was Jimmy's friend The one that left the phony paper trail Heard he got cold feet So we got off the street But he was in too deep The man was never the same And now his new thing Looks like alcohol and cocaine And in the streets that's fresh But up in here this place It's nothing but stress Can a man be changed In an insane world The crazy man King, or is it just this place that's known to steal your soul? I hope you brought your suitcase. Or was it just too late to go back in time before his chick blue face? When I'm singing, my heart's bleeding for someone else. So what I'm seeing, I'm leaving up on the shelf. When I'm sleeping, I'm dreaming of somewhere else. I got my reason. He started moving packs, no need for crack This place was upscale, ecstasy and coke were number one on the sales No worries about jail, he had cops on the books One week he had your fix, as well as the crooks But tonight he was shook, caught by the devil's eye Red dress, blowing smoke, hand resting on his eyes Shine like diamonds in the sky He stopped for a minute, but had to keep moving And add enough the digits, he was trying to live it The American dream, a life full of schemes Obtained by any means, he tried to up the profit But trying to make Let's take a little walk, walk. When I'm singing, my heart's bleeding for 
this is Adam from Reveling. You're listening to the first six cube. Uh, that's right, guys. You are listening to the Tuesday edition of the First 52 on RazRadioLive.com. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the first little bit of that show there. I got some more stuff I definitely want to talk about. We will get to that as soon as I'm done listening to some Rebeling. Yes, they said. They always say. They always tell you what they want you to know. When are you going to find out what you need to know? Not what they tell you. That's up to you to figure it out. Damn it. I don't know how much I have to say that. You know, it's 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 hard to it's hard to it's hard to just listen and, and believe everything you're told. Especially when you get down the rabbit hole. When you start thinking for yourself. You know? As everybody knows, I like to rail on cops. Alright, I'll be honest, I'll admit it. It's part of what I cover. Somebody's got to cover it, right? If it's not going to be on the mainstream news, all we get is the happy stories on the mainstream news. We don't get the bad stories. Who's going to cover it? Who's going to know about it? Nobody, right? All right. So with that said, I always try, I always try a little bit to find the good stories. There are good cop stories. You might be surprised to think there are, but there are. What are some of the ones I found recently? I actually have two sitting in front of me. Two Law enforcement stories that are positive police stories. Wow, imagine that. Well, they're not positive in the way you're thinking. People always ask, where are the good cops? Why don't we have good cops? You always say there's bad cops. Where are the good cops? Why? Why? Well, come on, tell me. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Well, as we've documented in the past, people who are good cops usually end up getting ran out fired, harassed, assaulted. These things happen to the good cops. Why would they want to continue to be a cop? You know, I've interviewed Eric Erickson Harrell, a North Miami police officer, 9-11 truther, chemtrail believer. He stands up against this stuff. And, you know, every once in a while, he knows he falls back into, you know... A little bit of that police mentality every once in a while. And you could see it in some, you know, so every once in a while, like when you tag them in something. You know, the other day I, there was a story about North Miami police uh, using uh, uh, printouts of uh, arrested uh, suspects as target practice instead of using, you know, targets. And he, he kind of defended it a little bit, but kind of didn't. And you know what? Guess what? That's not that big of a deal, honestly. Um, I've used ex-bosses pictures. I've used ex, you know, old business cards from companies I worked at. Uh, I've used ex-girlfriends as target practice. Let's be honest here. You know, that's human nature. So, is that that big of a deal? No, not really. It's really not. But, you know, again, when we have people who actually speak out against the, the bad things that that's going on with law enforcement, they end up losing their job. And, and here's a great example here. We are going to hear some audio uh, from a law enforcement detective from Baltimore who lost his job. Why did you want to be a police officer? 
So all I ever wanted to do, both my parents were uh, New York City cops right here. Um, grew up in a law enforcement family. It's all I ever wanted to do. I just wanted to help people. Says Joe Crystal. I moved up the ranks extremely quick. When I was in the academy, I was in charge of my class. I was my class commander. Upon graduating, I received uh, the commissioner's award for uh, the trainee that exhibits the most leadership. I was the first in my class to make detective. It took me a year after I got out to make detective, and uh, that was probably one of the most proud moments uh, of my life. In 2011, Crystal saw something that changed his career forever. While I was there, uh, I was working as a, a drug detective. Saw a guy selling drugs on the street. We went to stop him. The guy threw the drugs and ran. Uh, he was ultimately chased and uh, kicked in the back door of a, a woman's home. Other cops went in, and they were able to place the guy under arrest. We uh, secured the drugs from uh, that he had thrown that we saw him selling. You know, stuff like that in Baltimore, honestly, it happens every day. It's nothing that's uh, out of the norm or necessarily a big thing. Uh, unfortunate thing was that this guy uh, kicked in the back door of uh, a woman who was the girlfriend of another cop that I, I didn't know personally uh, in a different part of the city, an off-duty cop. After he was placed in our transport wagon and uh, sent down to the city jail, he, uh, the sergeant spoke to the off-duty officer. They had some sort of communication, and the uh, sergeant on the radio called the wagon back, brought the suspect back into the house, and they brought him into a back room where he was assaulted. Ultimately, I found out later on that he had his ankle broken, and uh, you know he'd, uh, he had also said that he was assaulted and beat. At that time, all I could think about was, you know, that as cops, we uh, we needed to, you know, a police ourselves. You know, I didn't want to be a part of that. I didn't become a cop to be, get justice. I be or street justice. I'm sorry. I became a cop to get real justice. And uh, you know, I spoke to my parents, who, like I told you, were both New York City cops that night. And uh, I tried to report about, you know, what had happened. I didn't want to be uh, a part of that. What happened that night was wrong, no matter how how it happened. If you know, you had done that. If any somebody else had done that, nobody would have even thought twice about taking you to jail. It's never okay to beat a handcuffed suspect. You know, we're supposed to uphold the law. I tried to report it that night and was told that if I uh, snitched about what happened, that it would be the end of my career. After that, it was like a roller coaster that uh, I just couldn't get off of. Crystal chose to report the incident to authorities. I had to deal with, you know, being called a snitch and a rap by sergeants and other officers. I had uh, multiple times I called for backup and uh, nobody came to back me up, you know, in dangerous situations cha uh, chasing uh, a felony drug suspect. Nobody from my squad would ride, told me they didn't want to ride with me because I talked about what had happened. I had a, uh, a sergeant call me and threaten me at my house and tell me I better pray to God I'm not the star witness. Somebody placed a dead rat of mine on my wife's car. Um, it just, it, it kept going for, even from there. I was moved around to the point where I didn't even know where I was supposed to be going to work. I didn't know where I was reporting on a daily basis. It just got to the point where I couldn't do my job. The badge I had didn't mean anything. I was being told, hey, for the next 12 hours, I need you to stare at this, uh, at this alley, and I need you to tell me, you know, if anybody tries to rob or uh, break into any of these houses, or stare at this trail and see if anybody comes up this trail for the next eight hours, you know. The badge didn't mean anything at that point because I, could, I wasn't in a position to help anybody because I just wasn't even being allowed to. So uh, I ended up making a decision to leave the police department ultimately and give up my dream, my childhood dream of being a cop. Despite his treatment by fellow cops, Crystal still supports police officers. 98, 99% of cops are great. They work all hours of the night. They, you know, make sure that they protect you and your families. You know, they do the right thing. Anti-cop mentality now and the uh, untrust that this, the public has of officers right now, that's not because of the majority, the 98 or 99%, that's because of the 1 or 2%. I'm not going to lie, you know, it's a, 
it's it's scary. You know, I ultimately ended up having to move in 1,100 miles. I lost my entire career. I went from uh, having a, ra a rocket strapped on my back and uh, blowing up the ranks to, uh, you know, ultimately being uh, thrown down. So I'm hoping that, you know, the lawsuit that I filed, that it will help other cops, you know, feel the strength to come forward and, you know, talk about what happened. Talk about, you know, if they saw something that they don't have to be afraid, that we're here to help you, you know, and that they could actually actively police the police themselves. You know, we're not above the law. And I'm just hoping that that's what I'd ultimately like to see happen with this whole thing is that, you know, it's going to instill that integrity that citizens could look and, you know, read your guy's article or, you know, look at me and say, look, not all cops are bad. And you know what? He's right. Most cops do do good things. And you know what? That's where I want to get to. I, I know, I believe all cops aren't bad. I mean, that guy there, I'm looking at him, right, as he's talking. And and those of you who, who might know Michael Meyer uh, doing uh, his show tonight at 10 o'clock, he looks like him. He looks like a regular good guy. And a lot of cops look like that. And a lot of cops want to do good. But they've got that thin blue line they've got to protect. How about this? You know, I'm getting tired of these, these suggested posts on my Facebook page of, of these cop t-shirts. And I try to comment on every single one. And, uh, the, the most recent one was, uh, uh, what did it, I, what did it say? It said, I will do anything to protect this thin blue line. I got an idea. Why don't you do anything to protect the Constitution and fuck that thin blue line that has driven us to this problem? Because the thin blue line is covering up for bad cops. The thin blue line is allowing atrocities to happen because you don't want to report somebody who just broke a law because they work with you and they've got your back and they're going to save your life one day. I get it. I understand it. It's not right. You stand up with the citizens of this country. You stand up with the people who you police, who you are there to protect. And you'll find more people standing behind you. If you continue to allow this, this increase in police state craziness, then you're going to have more people against you. Stand with the people who want to stand with you. you, you I don't know if law enforcement understands that. I want to stand with you. I, I've gone to fallen officers' memorials who were killed in screwed up situations where some crazy guy, I mean, the, the most recent one was a local cop here in my county was going to a domestic disturbance call. Guy shot him with a, a hunting rifle from a downward trajectory. It went right above his vest and it killed him. I feel bad for his family. He was trying to... I, I've said it a hundred times. The cops in my town are not bad cops. Charlotte County uh, Sheriff's Department, I have utmost respect for. I've had a few incidences w that were questionable, but again, those were young cops. 
Every single time I've seen an older officer, you know, 35 or up, it's always been great. The younger ones, again, that's the, that's part of the problem, though. It's not Mayberry anymore in their minds. And I know crime rates are up. I know that, well, actually, I mean, in all honesty, they're really not. Statistically, they're, they're dead even to where they were uh, 40, 50 years ago. We have a lot more people. Uh, we are more aware of it. We see it more often. And it allows us to pick it apart more often. It allows us to to really get deep into the, some of these things going on. And it allows us to come up with our own determination of what's going on. Instead of being told, because we don't get all the facts. You know, 50 years ago, if you would have said that the government was, you know, going to assassinate a president 55 years ago, whatever you, you know, because he was going to against, go against the the form of currency that we use in this country, people would have told you you were completely crazy. Guess what? Five years ago, if you said that that the government had the ability to record every single phone conversation that happens, you were called a crazy conspiracy guy. And then it comes out that it's true. It's true. It happens. But you were a crazy conspiracy guy five years ago. Ten years ago. Twenty years ago. How long is it going to take for the truth of 9-11 to finally poke its ugly head? You know, we know that the the uh, the truth of JFK has been sealed. I, I think it's um, I know I'll be seventy. I think it's twenty twenty thirty five or twenty forty. I don't know. Somewhere in that time frame is when you know all of the sealed documents from the JFK assassination will be released. At least that's what they tell us. I mean, come on. Do we have to wait that long to know the truth? That's all this is about. Everything myself or Scott Ledger or, or Alex Jones or uh, Popeye or Jordan Page or any Frank Castle, any of these guys, all we're trying to do is get the answers to the questions sooner than later. That's all we want. Give us the facts. Give us the truth. Don't hide 87 videos from around the Pentagon. Don't go confiscate the videos from every single business that would have happened to have seen the Pentagon and never show it to us. Come on. That's all we want. Don't 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 keep every single video video evidence and and photographer uh, uh, photographic evidence from Sandy Hook and keep it away from us and tell us we can't see it cuz it's it's too much to handle no we must see it it must be seen how about the videos from Oklahoma City 
of the truck actually exploding, of the two people getting out of that truck. Where's the video? Oh, but we got video from from uh, the France terrorist attack, right? We got some video from there. Although it's been caught with edits in it where you can see police in the street and then there's an edit and the police are gone and the terrorists are screaming, Allah Akbar. I got an idea. How about we figure out how to track airplanes so we don't just lose them? So we found the most recent one. Great. That's wonderful. I'm glad to find that, you know, closure for family. That's a good thing. That's what we want for people. You should have closure. But when an airplane just disappears, it's nowhere to be found. I don't know where this airplane went. Well, now, actually, I have an idea where the airplane went. Diego Garcia. 370 is in Diego Garcia. Maybe it was used already. Maybe that was the flight shot down over the Ukraine. That's That's been a theory out there. Maybe. I don't know. But I damn well know that there was something on that plane that the powers that be wanted. I don't believe it was shot down by the U.S., but I do believe it was taken over by the U.S. And these are just my theories, my thoughts. All right, back to uh, positive, uh, positive police stories. You know, sorry, I had to wet my whistle there. You know, people rail on me before I got into the last story of the officer that witnessed a suspect being brought back to the scene so the cops could beat him and eventually lost his job for speaking out about this misfortune. You know, guess what? The guy might have been a shitbag. Okay. Just because you're a shitbag doesn't mean you lose your civil rights. Just because you're a shitbag doesn't mean you should be tortured. I mean, it's no different than any other gang that we send police out to try to stop. A gang is a gang is a gang. So, excuse me. This one here, police accountability measures working... Intense standoff with gun-welding man ends peacefully. Hmm. It's from January 19th it was published. An intense standoff was captured on video between a mentally unstable man and a Sacramento police officer or officers on Thursday. Amazingly enough, the May raid of snipers and SWAT members didn't fire a single round at the man who was waving a revolver around in the middle of the road. Instead of shooting first and asking questions later, a negotiator, Officer Ed Bertola, was called in. Police requested over their loudspeaker for the suspect, Corey Thomas, to call 911. Surprisingly, he did. Bertola told Fox 40 that Thomas was originally over a power in wait Thomas was originally over at power in for a registration violation however instead of stopping 
He led authorities on a 30-minute high-speed chase throughout South Sacramento. After speaking with Thomas, Bartol found that Thomas had experienced a series of, of unfortunate circumstances that led him running from law enforcement. Police applied a certain level of empathy for the troubled man, and instead of firing rounds, they fired back phone calls to Thomas. Two negotiators from the Sacramento Sheriff's Department refused to give up on the man and called Thomas a total of 48 times between 9.50 p.m. and 11.30 p.m. Thursday night. We have someone who is extremely upset, and they don't know who I am, so I shouldn't be too offended if he wants to hang up on me a few times, Bartol said. Bartol said. Bartol said that he had chose his words wisely in order to prevent any sudden flare-ups in Thomas, which could have ended in a shootout or a suicide. Bartol listened to Thomas vent and eventually earned his trust. Bartol showed us that peace is also an effective means of reconciling a dangerous situation. And one hour and 40 minutes after the standoff began, Thomas laid the gun down and was taken into custody. I went and I talked to the, to the suspect after the standoff. I introduced myself and said, I am the one you've been talking to. And I said, thank you. Thanks for choosing this. It could have ended very differently. And he chose to end it this way, Bartol said. That's a good cop. That was a law enforcement agency showing discipline, showing respect for the people that they are asked to protect. That's all we ask for. I know it's a difficult job. It's not the most deadliest job, and that's been proven. But it's a very difficult job. A job I once thought I wanted. So, yes, support your local law enforcement. Hold them accountable at the same time. Show them that you want them on your side Show them that you respect them if they respect you. That's what it's going to take to fix this. You know, sometimes a hug can go a long way. A lot further than a bullet. You know, you all know I believe in... uh, I don't know, something we'll call it um, geoengineering, uh, chemtrails, uh, solar radiation management, uh, sky dimming. I don't know. What would you like to call it? I call them chemtrails. I know. know, It makes it harder to believe it because it's not really a real world word. but that's the easiest thing to say. And there's a lot of different terminologies for it. And if you've listened to the first 52 for any period of time, you know that this is one of mine and my lovely, my lovely, 
my my uh, a former co-host uh, Fortoad would argue about all the time. Now, I don't know if if we've demanded a response from from people, but apparently a uh, Texas uh, a meteorologist decided he wanted to address the chemtrail community, <laughs> and I got a good laugh out of it. So I figured I'd play you guys his response. I mean, I'm still going a little bit. I'm going to play this. We're going to take a break. So I can go to the bathroom and get another drink. And uh, we, we got we got more stories. I want I want to talk about vaccines. So we're, we'll get into that momentarily. But, but let's, you know, I got to play it. I just have to. I can't not play it. It wouldn't be Raz if I didn't play it. And can we talk? Just for a second, let's take a look at this. This is what happens when you have a lot of moisture upstairs. The jets planes that are traveling in the sky are up uh, somewhere, used to be between 28 and 38,000 feet, up where air temperatures are anywhere from 40 to 80 degrees below zero. As a jet plane travels, it's burning jet A fuel, that's basically kerosene, and the byproducts are carbon dioxide, which you can't see, and water vapor, which condenses out in that super cold air. And I mean, like I said, anywhere from 40 to 80 below zero. So it instantly condenses out into ice crystals. There are over 40,000 flights across the United States every day. And every time this happens, I will get people calling, writing, emailing, saying these are chemtrails, the government is poisoning us. And I tried to tell them, look, look, see the high clouds? That's why they don't disappear, because the atmosphere up, up there is saturated, so this stuff gets out and doesn't evaporate, it just kind of gradually spreads out. That's the explanation. They are contrails, condensation trails. Alright, here... Honey, look at those beautiful clouds. Those are clouds, Daddy. Those are chemtrails. Chemtrails? What are chemtrails? Chemical trails, Daddy, and they're very bad. I look up to the sky. Can you tell me why? Can you tell me why? I don't
Radio Gun from DeadlineLive.info and the Jack Blood Show. You're listening to the first 52 with Sean Raz Radio Live. Stay bold. Much better now. I needed to take a little break there, you know, get some things thought out, let the family know what was going on, that I was still alive back here in this little hole that I have. And I would be talking for a little bit longer. So I got some stuff I haven't gotten to touch on yet. And I really want to touch on. So I will. So, you know, chemtrails, uh, whether you want to believe them or not, I honestly believe they're real. I honestly believe there's something going on. And I think you should pay attention to that. But that's up to you whether you want to pay attention to that or not. Because I can't make you do anything, can I? But I can suggest thoughts and ideas that maybe you should think about. So, please think about that. As you guys know, I uh, we don't vaccinate our son. We don't go to doctors. Uh, we don't take pharmaceuticals. Uh, when we get sick, maybe the occasional NyQuil. won't say that doesn't happen. You know, if allergy attack that's really bad, there might be the occasional Benadryl. Very rarely. Not going to say it doesn't happen. But there's reasonings behind what we do, why we do what we do. Um, first of all, flu vaccine for this year is 23% effective. 23% effective. And not really sure what damage it can do. If that rate of damage is higher than the rate of the effectiveness of a vaccine, <laughs> why would you take it? And there's studies showing that there you know, might be a possibility that... that, that the danger rate is higher than 23%. Just something to think about. You can't knock it all. The reason I bring this up, though, is because apparently right now in this country, we are having a measles outbreak. Oh, no, the measles are coming. Oh, no, not the measles. You have a rash, you have a fever, you might be sick. Uh, if you don't take care of yourself, you can dehydrate. Yes, you could feasibly die. But the death rate is like point zero 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 two percent of the global population on the global measles scale. And maybe it's a little less than a little more than point zero 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 two, but it, it's literally like point zero zero two. I mean, it's it's ridiculously low. And guess what happens after that? You'll never get them again. Kind of like the chicken pox. Oh, but you'll get shingles if you have the chicken box. So you have to vaccinate or else you get the shingles. You don't want to get the shingles. No. I got chicken pox when I was a kid. Really bad. I remember I was peeing and it was spraying like six different directions because I got one right on the tip of my penis. I'm fine. All right, I'm a little crazy, but I don't think that has anything to do with chicken pox, honestly. I think that's just because uh, I'm crazy and I think. But that's my opinion again. I guess I have a lot of opinions. So, I got a good laugh out of this story today. And uh, I hope you find the same comical value in it as I did. Hello. Do you want to cooperate with me this evening and play for me? Hello. Let me refresh the page. Maybe it'll play then. You know, you got to love when you, when you run off of you know what's in front of you. Sometimes things just don't 
want to always cooperate. Anyway, uh, OC High School sends non-vaccinated students home in wake of measles outbreak. So if you're non-vaccinated, you're going home for the day, and your video will not load to cooperate with me. Of course not. Efforts to stop the measles outbreak are underway in Orange County, where and this is L.A., uh, where around two dozen unvaccinated students have been sent home from Huntington Beach High School for three weeks. A student with measles was on campus from January 6th to January 8th, possibly spreading the contagious disease, according to a letter to parents from Matt Zahn, medical director for epidemic. This is why I miss having everybody else with me. Epidemiology at the Orange County Healthcare Agency. News media outlets quoted Huntington Beach High School Principal Rocky Murray as saying Friday that 24 students were sent home, including the one who had measles. Unimmunized. That was really good. Uh, Drinking game. We really should start playing that again. Excuse me. Unimmunized. (laughs) Students are excluded from school for 21 days past the date of exposure, during which they may need to monitor themselves for signs of measles. Deanna Thompson, spokeswoman for the Orange County Health Care Agency, said in remarks reported by the Register, this is to avoid spreading the disease. Students are expected to return to school January 29th. Thompson said 16 confirmed cases have crapped up in Orange County in past months, past months, including six that were not connected to the original Disneyland Resort outbreak in late December. That's an indication the disease has begun to spread its way throughout the region, the register reported. You notice the register didn't report that of the 16 confirmed cases... They were all unvaccinated children. Little detail they were missing there. So were these 16 people vaccinated or not? Tell me if these 16 people were vaccinated or not. Let's see if they... I'm going to continue reading. There's another paragraph or two here. So maybe they'll tell us in a minute. It is at large in the community now. And particularly infants too young to be immunized. People with other health conditions. And of course... People who aren't immunized need to be very concerned, Thompson said. They really should rethink that and consider getting vaccinated, she said. State law requires school children to get the MMR shots to protect against measles, mumps, and rubella. But parents who believe there are links between the vaccine and medical conditions such as autism can get ex- exemption by signing a personal belief waiver. Oh, my God. They can control their own children. What is wrong with you? Why are you letting us control our own children? (sighs) Anyway, uh, you notice they didn't say whether the 16 people were vaccinated or not. They also didn't say whether the other student that was told he can't come back that had the measles was vaccinated or not either. You notice they don't mention anybody in there being not vaccinated, except for the threat that if you're not vaccinated, you you might get sick. Hello? Does that make any sense to you? 
I mean, really, if if if, if unvaccinated people were the problem, then why wouldn't you tout that? Why wouldn't you say, oh my God, every case has been unvaccinated or 50% of the cases have been unvaccinated. Oh, see, there'd be 50% less people sick if they would have got their vaccines. But they don't even tell you if they're vaccinated or not, which leads me to believe that they're vaccinated. That's what that leads me to believe. I might be wrong. I might be right. Or I just might be crazy, I guess, right? I just might be crazy. Things that make you go, hmm, right? Remember that back in the 90s, guys? Things that make you go, hmm, hmm, hmm. <laughs> All right, let's see here. I need to... Uh, what else we got here? I, I got so I, I you know me guys. I can always uh, well let's let's stay with the vaccines for a second. I was trying to find some video because I really needed to take that sip there. I needed to wet my whistle a little bit. You know, it's a lot to just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. But obviously, I can talk and talk and talk. Uh, listen, I got about a half hour or so left. I am going to take another shorter break than last time. Just one song. Just give me a break to. Breathe for a moment. Uh, I, I would like to take some phone calls. If you have some questions, if you have some thoughts, uh, if you want to tell me I'm a total douchebag, uh, 941-421-0401. But hold them until after the call, uh, after the next break. Uh, I'm going to cover this other vaccine article and uh, take a quick break, and then we'll wrap up the show. Maybe we'll get a call or two. Maybe we won't. Either way, I'll still be able to talk, so it's all right. I'm all good. So the next vaccine-related story I'd like to talk about is one of the things that have led me into uh, into believing about vaccination and, and, and how it's dangerous. This lady, and, and I just realized, actually, I, I, I must announce this because I didn't look at the date, but this is from 2011. Vaccine and Autism, a new scientific review. More than likely, I might have seen this story before and shared it, you know, a couple of years ago and don't even remember doing it because it's, you, you forget some of the things you touch on. It says here, for all those who have declared the autism vaccine debate over, a new scientific review begs to differ. It considers a host of peer-reviewed published theories that show possible connections between vaccines and autism. The article in the Journal of Immunology Tox- Toxicology is entitled Theoretical Aspects of Autism Cause a Review. The author is Helen Ratzkatsky. And I, I know I'm saying that wrong. It's R-A-T-A-J-C-Z-A-K. Surprisingly, herself a former senior scientist at a pharmaceutical firm, uh, she did not uh, I, I can't say her name, so I'm going to replace her name with she, just so you know, so it might not make sense. She did what nobody else apparently has bothered to do. She reviewed the body of published science since autism was first described in 1943. Not just one theory suggested by research, such as the role of MMR shots or the mercury preserves preservative thimerosal, but all of them. 
Her article states, in part, that documented causes of autism include genetic mutations and or deletions, viral infections, and epi... Or, I'm sorry, not epi... Uh, encephalitis. Encephalitis. Yeah. Sounding it out. It's a big word, sorry. Uh, following vaccinations. Emphasis added. Therefore, autism is the result of genetic defects and or inflammation of the brain. The article goes on to discuss many potential vaccine-related culprits, including the increased number of vaccinations given in a short period of time. What I have published is highly concentrated on hypersensitivity. She told us in an interview the body of the body's immune system being thrown out of balance. Now, this is all stuff a lot of other people have claimed. This is all stuff I strongly believe in. Our son got some vaccines in the beginning. I'm not going to lie. I don't want anybody to accuse me of of, uh, being something I'm not. I share the truth about me. And yes, we didn't know. And yes, Mikey got vaccines. A few in the beginning. Not many. He had a massive asthma issue that I believe was um, triggered by the vaccinations. Once we stopped vaccinating, it went away. So I believe there is something to the whole vaccine hype. Oh, the vaccine hype. And I think there's some things to be concerned about. I, I'm in a, a vaccine awareness forum on Facebook. And I'm so happy with the level of involvement with people. How people are actually paying attention to what's going on to their children. The government can't protect your children. You, as loving, caring parents, you can protect your children. Of course you have to be loving, caring, and you know, actually love your child. I, I know we see crazy things happening uh, throughout this country. Uh, the most recent one was, was literally... Uh, a very short distance from where I lived growing up as a child. Um, a, a town that when I did EMS, we would cover for sometimes when they were overly busy. A young 22 or 21, 22-year-old girl uh, burned her baby in the middle of the street. Now, of course, as I said in the beginning of the show, if you've been listening to the whole show, <coughs> excuse me, uh, there, there's crazy people out there. I, I agree with that. I, I know that happens. I know people are disturbed. But I also know that after a woman has a baby, because I watched it happen with Lexi, again, this was before we were aware of what we're aware of now, um, they, they put her on... I forget the antidepressant we've talked about it on the show before, and it was it was the most scariest experience she ever had. She didn't know where she was. She 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 felt like she was flying her car instead of driving it. 
She went and cowered on the bathroom floor when she finally got to work. And once it wore off, she came home and never worked a lick that day. I run a documentary when I run doc days of a of a, of a, a bunch of different people who who are young children who are on medication for ADHD and, and different things like that. And they talk of uh, when they wake up in jail and they realize they're in jail, they thought they were hunting when they were shooting up their school or or holding a, a class classroom hostage. Luckily, never shot anybody. So these thi- these things are doing damage to the people of our society. And we have to realize that. We have to get away from them. I cannot remember the last time I took a pharmaceutical. Now I've taken over-the-counter stuff. So be it. I try not to. But there's times you just have to. But I cannot tell you the last time I took a prescription drug. It'd have to be 09. I mean, just trying to figure it out, it would have had to be right around 09. And I won't. I was in the hospital with heart problems. They wanted to give me a a beta blocker. I'm like, well, well, what is it going to do? Why? Well, we don't know why, but you need to take it. Well, I'm not going to take it if you don't know why I need to take it. Because something like that is not something you just stop taking once you start. It, It messes with your system. It messes with your system. All right, quick break. Be back. We got no plans, no plans at all. Evil man's always transcending. Fight her like sheep, swallow everything. Always simpletons or pretending. We got no plans. This is your moment of clarity from LeeCamp.net. Life is this minuscule thing. It's this moment, and then it's over. And you don't know over until life is over. That's the real over. That's the big over. The no, no other over compares to that over. I'm just guessing here, of course. I haven't experienced it. But I have tickets to see the play next week. Life is so tiny and tenuous. And do you ever have those moments in your day-to-day when you're watching a TV show about a father-son duo who wrestle alligators or you're listening to a podcast about one family's bizarre experience with their fat kid in a go-kart and it hits you? What the fuck? What the fuck am I doing right now? Why? Why am I listening to this? What am I gaining? Why? Why? Why will will I be a better person tomorrow because I know about the fucking alligator in the baby pool? Will I make different decisions because I know about the eight-year-old tub of chub stuck in the go-kart? No! Nothing will be different if I have this information! Nothing! I don't know what the meaning of life is, but it just fuck ain't this! It ain't this! You know those moments? I do. Some of you probably think those moments are half your day. Now imagine... People living in the Amazon jungle never have those moments. The people fighting in Syria never have those moments. People dealing with warlords in Niger don't have those moments. And if they do, it goes like this. Why? Why am I collecting water? Oh, because I'll die otherwise. That's, that's why. Their actions are for things. They are pretty much always doing things for a reason. That must be wild. 
This rabid, voracious consumerism society you and I live in does not want you to have that level of awareness. Ideally, you go through your day-to-day truly thinking it's important you kill those zombies in that video game or watch that replay during that basketball game. Truly thinking you need to buy that new bra, the one that's a joint venture between Victoria's Secret and the Army Corps of Engineers. They want us to think that stuff, the non-events, non-moments matter immensely because if we look away from them for just a second, Second, we might notice other things passing by, things that actually matter. And then we might do something important and pivotal with this peculiar and fleeting affair called life. That's your moment of clarity from LeeCamp.net. I'll be doing giveaways almost every week from my Twitter account, free digital downloads of my new comedy album, and other stuff. Just follow me at LeeCamp on Twitter. Keep fighting. Plans, no plans at all Evil man's always transcending Fight her like sheep Swallow everything Always simple Attention, brothers and sisters Take a look around We are killing the future
You are listening to the Tuesday edition of the First 52, the new great only Sean edition. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yes, welcome back to the First 52 on RazRadioLive.com. It is Tuesday evening, uh, January 20th. It's a little after 6.30. And, of course, I can't leave you this evening. I just can't leave you this evening without you know, pointing out the discrepancies of law enforcement. I've stood up for them a little bit tonight. You know, I've showed some good cops. I've got some more stories of good cops I can cover later at another time. And I will. But we can't take the boot off the throat. They're not taking it off of ours, so why should we take it off theirs, right? So we've got to make sure we're still pointing out the things they're doing that just don't make any sense. At least 50 U.S. law enforcement agencies are now using the handheld Range R radar device. This is a look at the device right here. Now, among the agencies is the FBI, U.S. Marshals, and they've been in use now for more than two years. Here's how they work. An officer stands outside of a building, places it on a wall like a stud finder inside your home, and then sends a signal back to him. If it detects movement, it can tell how far away that movement is. Now, it doesn't show an image of what's actually happening inside. Now, this device is something that you're talking about uh, online. Ginny uh, writing, this is an invasion of privacy. Kevin writing, my fear is when criminals get a hold of these tools when casing houses. And uh, really, that's one of the fears here. Also, uh, Thamra writing, Big Brother is watching you. Kind of scary when you think about what this device can do, folks. All right, there's uh, Alan who says, illegal, illegal, illegal. And that's an important... It's uh, always something, you know, we got we to think we about this here. We one of our, our sources who says that uh, using this in Georgia without a warrant, just like our viewer said, illegal. And that's what I wanted to touch on. You know, let's think about this here. You have to have a warrant to enter a house. And I am taking phone calls. Uh, the individual that was just calling from the 479 uh, area code, give a call back. You know, I just was holding you on hold there till I got done that video. So uh, please ring me back. So I would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, but th- this whole thing with being able to look into your house is just not acceptable. Like, why would we even think that's something we should accept? I, I do have that caller, 479. How you doing? Hi, Mr. Raspatello. How are you? I'm doing excellent. How are you doing tonight? I am excellent as well. well. So what are your thoughts? Well, I'm really just calling as an old friend. I just started listening to you this evening and, uh, you know, wanted to chat about the uh, the old days. The old days? I, I, think, mm-hmm. I, knew, I think I know who this is. Uh, tuck- I'll give you one guess. Tucked away in, in uh, where are you at now, Kentucky or, or Arizona or... Uh, I know you're with Palmer, so that's a good thing. Okay, then you know who this is. <laughs> <laughs> how you doing, Tar? I'm very well, Sean. How are you? Uh, I'm doing excellent. So uh, I, I know you guys were listening in tonight, and I was just kind of curious to take on some something that grabbed you uh, tonight first off, and then we'll go with some old times after that. Well, uh, we, I was just actually making dinner, and Jason decided to uh, pop you up on the uh, computer and take a listen, and my son actually was interested in, uh, you know, what you had to say, since he's been hearing a lot about you. So um, we're all just kind of sitting here and uh, listening. Yeah. And, and uh, go ahead. 
Um, and actually, I was just kind of getting the tail end of the, the horrific uh, incident in Pemberton. That's yeah. kind of what caught my attention. Yeah, that, that was, you know, we grew up, and for those listening, um, Tara is uh, my high school girlfriend, and she is now oh. with my high school best friend. Um, <laughs> they, they finally decided to bring around what they, I think they kept pushing off for years and years and years uh, back in high school. And uh, it's nice to hear their voice. We, we obviously talk on, on Facebook and things. Uh, but what she's referring to is the, the baby burning incident I was talking about. Uh, and, and my take, Tara, uh, you have to understand that I've become very questionable of everything. And, and any time I see any of these parent things, uh, not saying they haven't happened in the past before pharmaceuticals were a big issue, but mm-hmm. the first thing that comes to my mind is what were they on? Because they, exactly. they stick women on uh, postpartum depression. As soon as you have a baby, you have you have to take this medicine. You you must you must. Uh, I watched it right. happen with Lexi, a- and it just makes me wonder. You know what was she on? And they don't they don't ever tell us. No, I, I can't imagine anyone could be above their own mind and and do that without some sort of chemical influence. I just it it sickens me and. And I actually, it, it comes to hard because I lived in Pemberton for a couple of years, way, you know, way later than high school. And I know that area was, you know, it's pretty bad. And, you know, it's just, it disgusts me. Well, that's another thing people don't ever want to bring up when they talk about these, these uh, incidences is, and a lot of people don't know this, but Pemberton is the surrounding town. Uh, the, you got Browns Mills and Pemberton, which surround Fort Dix military base. And unfortunately, um, 95% of the bases I ever went to, the towns that were connected right outside the base were pretty shitty. They were, they were exactly uh, yeah they were they were dangerous. There was drugs. There was prostitution. There was you mm-hmm. know, all these different things that that happened in those areas, and that's because it's a demand of the of the troops. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, I know mm-hmm. I, I I had a lot of fun off base, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, not you. I can't imagine that. Sean. No, not me at all. <laughs> Never. Um, but and maybe people should think about this: that maybe this baby, for all we know, um, was a, a, a soldier's baby. You know, that very I, easily. Yep. You know, without question, could have been a soldier's baby that this girl got knocked up, and whether she was on postpartum or not. Um, she didn't know what to do, and the, maybe the guy right. was deployed or had been killed recently. We don't know. This is true. This is true. But there are the safe haven laws, which I, I can't imagine that you, you have no other alternative than to burn your child in the street. Put it, take it to the Wawa. You know, leave it the Wawa. You know, anywhere, but murdering it in such a heinous matter. Yeah. Well, you know, where I live now, uh, a few years ago, there was a case here. And it was uh, a mother of a military person. Uh, he was an officer, actually. And she uh, one day got tired of her lippy children and mm-hmm. shot them both in the back of the head. Ugh, again, and, and my God. We're talking teenagers. We're talking, I think the oldest was 16 and the youngest was 13 or 14. Wow. Yeah, so, and again, it goes back to with her, it was pharmaceutical. Right. You know, so you have to always ask that question. Uh, it's not something that, it, it's not something you can just brush under the rug. It has to be the first question asked. 
and people get on right. me. People get on me because I'll be like, "Well, what pharmaceuticals was she on?" And they'll be like, "Well, why does it always have to be pharmaceuticals?" There's crazy people out there. Yes, there are crazy people out there. I'm not denying that, but there has to be something that that's mm-hmm. causing the the increase in incidents. Even if you go to the 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 teachers' fucking kids. You know, we, we see this big thing, especially with females. Uh, we're seeing more females now than we see males of, of, of child molestation on a, on a 17-year-old boy. Well, guess what? When, right. I, when I was 17, uh, I can name yeah. two teachers off the top uh, of my head. I know where this is going. <laughs> you know the two I'm probably thinking about, too. I can oh, name yeah, well, we will not speak these names, but, uh, well, hey, yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. And, and then the, the, the males, it's, it's like, yes. Yeah, you exactly. Know, I, Even on the I other side, I can't see the child, the, the males being forced into that. But hey, what do I know? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, it's just a weird thing that you have to think about, and it is a catch twenty two because, you know, you at seventeen years old, uh, well, you were a pretty strong willed, strong minded <laughs> girl. So I don't yeah, know well, if you could have been taken advantage of, of teachers that I would have probably, you know. Yeah, and you were the you were one of those ones that probably could have got away with it and have been all right. This is true. Back then, we could get away with it. Nowadays, no. <laughs> well, you know, people talk about school violence and stuff. I I, I know you were a year below me, uh, but I don't yeah. know if you remember because I was in eighth grade at the time. It was right before I went into high school. My parents all were worried about it because the the one dude set the bomb off in the kids. Oh, I remember locker. that. Yes. Yeah. So this violence has been around. And again, you can't blame it all on pharmaceuticals. There's just people that snap. I mean, you were probably a freshman when the cop shot himself in the parking lot. In the parking lot, yes. I remember that, too. Because he was dating a senior, and she broke up with him. So he went and blew his brains out in the parking lot. So, yeah, people do stupid shit, you know? Mm -hmm. It's it's not deniable, but... uh, This is true. It just seems these days that uh, it's it's just immeasurably worse than what it was when we were kids. It is, but is it imaginably worse because the 24-hour news cycle is constantly pushing it to us? Mm -hmm. Pumping information. Right. Like I said earlier, um, it was probably before you were listening, but if you actually look at the statistics, our crime level is the same it was, you know, uh, 30, 40, 50 years ago. It's just our population is more, but the but the actual crime percentage is the same. Right. So it hasn't gotten more dangerous to live here. It just is more uh, apparent that there's the danger there because they want us to be afraid of something. Right. So if you're not afraid, you know, then then you should be all right. Now you guys are in Arkansas, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> I couldn't never remember. would have thought I'd end up in Arkansas. No, you know it's it's a really interesting story. Um, I, I I don't know if you want to get into it or not, but uh, let's get into it. I find it. I just you know, Jason, Jason and I. Well, you're my history is one thing. Jason's in my history is a whole nother thing. Uh, oh be- yeah, because you know after we were done, Jason and I were still friends, and what what ended us actually ended mine and his, his friendship for a while, mm-hmm. you know, which is, right. is my first child. Um, you know, Tara exactly. and I were dating at the time, and and I cheated on her to, to produce my first child with her current um, boyfriend, husband figure, uh, girlfriend. 
So it, it was a really interesting situation in 1994. It really is, if you think about it. <laughs> it, it to, to end up where we're at now, you know, I know that you've been through a lot in your life. Um, and you, from what I gathered, are probably in the best spot you've ever been in. Um, oh, definitely. And absolutely not a question in my mind. And I'm in the best spot I've ever been in. And obviously, Jason would would be in the best spot he's ever been in. Uh, yeah, so, I think so, you know, I look, I, I, it's nice to see how things can turn and and produce happiness for everyone involved. And when you least expect it, I never would have thought a year ago that I would have ended up here with him. <laughs> never would have thought it. Never would have thought in high school that I would have ended up with him. Well, it's weird, though, because you guys always were pawning each other off on other people. I mean, that's how you and I ended up, I mean, honestly, that's how you and I ended up dating, was because this he kind of pawned me off, or pawned you off on me. You know, we had a good connection, and it was a good thing, and, you know, it's one As of those I ones know, that yeah. never goes away. Um, never. <laughs> but you you both did that, because you would try to hook him up with girls, and he would try to hook you up with guys, and, and 30, you know, 20 years later, you guys are now um, building a relationship, it, it seems uh, like it's in the right place and it's going in the right directions. And I, I wish the best for you. I, and you know that. Well, I always you. have. You know, uh, Jason Jason was my first really best friend. Yeah. Um, when he sent me, he, he sent me a few months ago, he finally sent me my, my photo album back. I don't know. If oh, you, I know. I was there the day you were demanding it, and we went through it together. <laughs> oh, and I stole some pictures. <laughs> Did you? I knew there was pictures missing out of there. A little brrr, I'll get That's you. That's right. You better send me at least a copy of them then. I will. And one of you, and there was one of him and I, looking all young, and he had a big old hairy chest and a head of hair, and I was skinny and blonde, and... <laughs> I had this photo album, yeah. just uh, you know, inform the listeners. Uh, back when I, I guess it was my senior year, your your senior year, because it kind of traveled into right. that. Um, you know, I always told the story of my. We have the shed in the back of our house that um, oh my god, I had finished, the shed. and we used to just go out there. It was called the Sugar Shack, and we'd go out there, and I mean, senior year, junior year, <laughs> we would just go out there and party. I mean, just there'd be yes. 15 people in this thing, and it was like maybe 15 feet by 15 feet. It wasn't huge. Yep, crowded in there. <laughs> <laughs> and we would just smoke and drink and just have a good time. And um, there might have been somebody who delivered sandwiches to us at the door every once in a while. <laughs> uh, you know, it was a good time. And it was. It led to so many different ways of life. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah, I just think about the old times. Oh, anyway, so I had this. I at that time I would take pictures all the time, but I didn't just put pictures in a photo album. I actually collaged them. You know, I cut them all out and shape them and you know, do this whole thing. And I spent a whole year doing this thing. <laughs> That's the book we're talking about that Jason mailed back to me after fifteen years of not seeing it. Fifteen years, <laughs> at least. At least, because I mean, there's even pictures of Brent. You know, mm-hmm. Oh, e- yeah. Even when you guys, I think, were dating, I think there might be a picture or two in there of you guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, the good, good book. Days. Yeah, the good book, the good old days. So he sends me this, this memory card, and it's got um, a song that J- when Jason graduated high school, I was a junior, he was a year ahead of me, and um, he wrote this song as he was leaving for basic training. 
And when he sent that to me, Tara, I still teared up, and I still knew every single word of that song, and I hadn't heard it in in 20 years. And I still remembered every single word from it. Well, he he still plays this day, and I I, I wanted to get him to play that song for you know my son and I. Uh, he still plays today. Yeah, he still plays. He he played for me the other day, and he's he's incredible. <laughs> I I don't think you were around yet. I think this was before you, but it used to be Prioli, uh, Jason, Brent, and me, and we would hang out all all the time. This was right before you and I started dating. And uh, we would go down to the corner where the where the field is, where the you know the immaculate conception happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we would go sit down there, and he would play, and we would sit on the corner. And remember, I grew up right out. Well, to the listeners, we grew up in a little right outside the Warrenton State Forest. I mean, in the middle of nowhere. We didn't have a McDonald's till eighty four, I think, is when they built the McDonald's finally. <laughs> and and we we would sit on the street corner, and Jason would play the guitar, and we would all sing. And that's just what yeah. like, that's what we would do on a weekend night. We would just sit on the street corner and sing. <laughs> I and that was awesome. That that's wholesome. Even though we had had a six pack of beer and you know some cigarettes, it was wholesome. It was fun. Like I I just can't see kids these days doing that. <laughs> You're not still smoking, are you? You quit, right? Oh no! All right. No, yeah, actually, Jason quit as well. He um he started on the uh, the e-cigarette um thing about um, October, and he hasn't had one since. So that's excellent. Good for him. I haven't had a cigarette in two and a half years. I am still on my hmm. e-cigarette. I still do. Oh, smoke well, good. That. That's awesome. Yeah, I still smoke that, but I haven't had a cigarette cigarette in in two two. Well, it was two years in August. So like wow, that's awesome! Yeah. Considering you smoked when we were fifteen, <laughs> I started smoking. Awesome. I started smoking when I was twelve. Wow, that's right. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's good. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. I'm very, I'm very happy. happy for you. I feel so much better. It was weird though because I just got over a cold. Um, like I said, I don't take antibiotics or any of that crap. Uh, and I just right. got over this cold, and it was weird because I'm I'm still coughing up some of the residual for my lungs. But instead of right, being right. like this dark yellow, brown, black shit, it's like clear with a few black specks in it. You know, like it's totally different than what I ever had growing up my entire life because I've smoked for so long. Exactly. And, and that's what Jason said. It's, he says it's, yeah, he just feels better in general. So I'm glad both of you quit. Yeah, it's nice to hear that from him. Yeah, I don't know. People might remember. God, it had to be. To, to when I first started the station up, Jason called in. Um, it, and it was just weird because it was the first time we had talked since I left Jersey, I, I think. Mm. And uh, I don't know. There's just there's something weird between him and I because of how it all went down and and how life went after that. Right. So I don't know. This just makes you think. Just let him know I love him. He knows I love him, but. Well, he's listening uh, out in the living room. Him and my son. <laughs> is it, well, and your son is cool as hell because he's been following me for a while. He uh, has. And I remember, you know, you telling me back when he first started following me, hey, he's, he's following you and what you're talking about. So I, I hope he's, I hope he's getting something out of it because I know he's he's into the, uh, and I'm not against six member. I was a sea cadet, but he's into the ROTC and 
And, yes. You yep. know, your your former for those of you who don't know, Tara was a Marine or is a Marine. That's right. Always a once a Marine, always a Marine, right, Tara? Always a Marine. That's right. That's right. So, so you know, she she follows along uh, what you would think as the the uh, the military type person, but she still is a free thinker and and she encourages it on her son because that's a good thing. You know, Mikey's in karate. That's what I'm using to to try to help build his discipline. Um, and and you're using the or he's using the the ROTC, which again is very similar to the Sea Cadets, which I was, and it's good for them because they develop character, they develop uh, discipline, they develop leadership skills. I, I wouldn't have made it where I did if I didn't do that when I was a kid. But it's still exactly. something that you don't want them to go into. Finally, at least that's in my you know per- personal opinion. <laughs> right. But anyway, yep. well, Tara. Yep. It was nice to hear from you, and um, you too. I don't want to hold you up anymore, but uh, we, we want to tell you that uh, we love you. We really do, and we want to see you soon. Um, hopefully, we're thinking about uh, doing a move out to Florida in the next year or so. Um, so okay. Hopefully, we'll be around uh, a good friend. Yeah, definitely. Come visit. You know, I'll show you the area. I I, I die to see you guys. Uh, I don't think I've seen your son since he was about two and a half years old, maybe three. Yep. So, now he's 17 and a great kid. Well, you know I'm going to be a grandpa, right? I know. Holy crap. Don't even get me started. That's a whole other show. Grandpa Raspatello. That's right. That's right. All right, Tara. That's we'll t- awesome. We'll talk to you soon. All right, well, you, you have a great day, Sean. I love you and, uh, you know, keep trucking. I love you guys, too. Give Jason a big hug for me and, uh, you know, we'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Have a great night. Peace. Bye-bye. Yeah, that's, you know, it's, it's nice to remember and, and to remember people and remember the good times and be happy for them as they move into their, their next level of life and, and into better things. So I appreciate your call, Tara. I appreciate, you know, where you and Jason are at and uh, you're good, good friends from the good old days. So that'll be it for this evening. Uh, stick around. We've got Bob Tuscan coming up at 7. He'll be shifting around to 9 o'clock the following week. But, hey, it's what it is. We love you guys. Peace out. Investigate the consequence of a bittersweet a loss of sense, a weapon in a war against ourselves. The setting sun is loading guns, don't be afraid of mistakes, emotions misplaced. To love or to hate, I don't know what to do. We're all lost and confused, just trying to get through. takes, but it takes a long time in the dirt to see grace. When I'm trying to be real, they tend to be fake. When I'm risking it all with no time to waste. Fuck this rat race, I'm leaving this place. It's time to blast off destination space. Sunset hung behind us And the universe to blind us From the moon we'll watch the
the whole world is slowed Moving free, unguided through the beautiful, the silent with the light show from a passing UFO Lost in the glow of the Free and God. 